Welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. Our goal is that this message builds your faith and gives you hope. Enjoy the message. All right, so it's going to be a great, great night. If you're ready for God's word, somebody say yeah. All right, you can do better than that. If you're ready for God's word, somebody say yeah. All right, so whether you're responsive or not tonight, uh, I just want to let you know I came here on an assignment. I actually had a whole message um, written up and ready um, this past weekend, but God had put something, put a whole new message on my heart that I'd even put together on Saturday night. So I put that other one to the to the back burner, and and God began to just speak to me. And I believe that this word is for somebody in this place. I don't know if it's for one person, maybe it's a, maybe it's for all of us corporately. But I believe that God has a word for somebody tonight. So I encourage you guys tonight to lean in, take notes if you'd like to take notes. And as you lean in, I encourage you to grasp whatever God wants to speak to you um, through his word tonight. So is it cool if we get right into God's word? All right. Hey, don't worry about standing tonight. We're only going to be reading um, one passage of scripture, one verse. You can turn with me to Galatians chapter 6, verse 14. I'm reading out of the NIV. That's Galatians chapter 6, verse 14. Once you're there, say, I'm there. If you're not there and you're still turning there, say, hold up. All right, we'll wait a second. Give give you guys a minute or two. Awesome. Or maybe a couple seconds, a minute or two, too long. All right, if you're not there, you can turn your attention to the screen. That's enough time. (laughs) Uh, But we're going to read this out. It's only one verse tonight. As we read this out real quick, I'm going to read it the first time, and I want to read it again. It says this. This is the Apostle Paul writing um, in the book of Galatians. He says this. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. I love how it was so fitting how earlier Slavic had mentioned the cross and how this message falls on a communion uh, Wednesday, the first Wednesday night of the month. We're going to be talking about the cross tonight. I'm going to read this one more time. May I never boast, say never boast, except in the cross. Somebody say except in the cross. All right, you don't have to repeat after me after this part. Of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. This is the Apostle Paul who wrote this scripture to a church in Galatia. And the Apostle Paul, he's, he's responsible for writing not only this verse, but the Apostle Paul, which you should be familiar with him if you studied scripture or, or read the New Testament. A lot of letters start off in the New Testament, a lot of books in the Bible, saying, hey, this is, this is Paul. Greetings from Paul. Um, the Apostle Paul is not only responsible for writing this verse, but the Apostle Paul actually re- uh, wrote about half the books in the New Testament. There's uh, 27 books in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul is responsible for writing about 13 of those, okay? And the Apostle Paul says in here boldly, that he chooses not to boast in anything else except for the cross of Jesus Christ. In other words, I choose, as a man of God, not to brag or boast about anything else except for the cross of Jesus Christ. Now, if anybody had a reason to be boastful or brag, that was the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was a smart and sharp dude. He was highly esteemed. I mean, a lot of people knew him. He, He was one of the sharpest minds of his time. I mean, the Apostle Paul could have easily boasted about his education because he was one of the most educated men of that time. Um, he could have boasted about his religion uh, because he was very religious. I mean, like I said, he was responsible for writing about half the books of the New Testament. Um, and he was also one of the first missionaries in the Bible, helped establish the early church. Um, he could have boasted about how he could speak multiple languages fluently. 
Um, he could have boasted in the fact that he was a Roman citizen. A lot of people were really proud of that, but he didn't. He didn't boast in any of those things. He chose to boast only in the cross of Jesus Christ. Here's what gets me about that. He says, I choose to boast only in the cross of Jesus Christ. Not the miracles of Jesus, not the teachings of Jesus, not in the miraculous birth of Jesus Christ or any other things that Jesus really did, but he said, hey, I choose to boast in the cross. Somebody say the cross of Jesus Christ. I, I choose to boast in the cross of Jesus Christ. So I want you to ask yourself this question. What does the cross mean to me? What does the cross mean to me? What do you think of whenever you hear the cross? I just want to submit to you that the cross, it's much more than wood. It's much more than a shape. It's much more than just apparel, than a pendant, than a necklace. Um, it, it's, it's, it's bigger than just something that you put on your T-shirt or something that's on, the, on a bumper sticker on a car. But the cross has so much significance and meaning and importance if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus Christ. Because once you understand the, the cost of the cross and the price that Jesus paid on the cross, you will have a deeper understanding of God's love for humanity. I'm going to say that one more time. If you understand the cost of the cross, you will have a deeper understanding of God's love for humanity. I want to talk about the cross tonight. Is that cool with you guys? I want to talk about the price that Jesus Christ paid and how it's relevant and related to us today. So if you take notes, you can write down my sermon title. It's this, the course of the cross. The course of the cross. In other words, the course, the plan, the step-by-step -step process, what had happened, the path that Jesus took on the cross, the course of the cross. Somebody say the course of the cross. You know, there's one thing that we've desired to do since we've been here um, at this location, especially recently. One thing that we've really want to do, um, I talked to Pastor Bobby about it, and we talked to our team about it. We want to have a cross on the stage. We've had this backdrop, guys. I mean, these, so you think that's awesome? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, we'll keep on giving more. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> right now, everybody's like, okay. Uh, but we've had these sound panels up here for a while, but we talked about you know, adding a cross right here on this stage, uh, whether we do that um, before we move to our next location or, or not, uh, I really hope that we can, but we'll see what happens. I think that'd be awesome. But the reason that we put such importance and we elevate the cross is because we believe that the cross should be part of the central message of the church. The cross, not just any cross, but the cross of Jesus Christ. We believe that the cross should be part of the central message of the church. See, Pastors and preachers, we, we typically pinpoint and focus on the cross, um, you know, maybe once a year during Easter time. We talk about the cross, but here at Covenant Life Center, we don't want to just remember the cross during Easter time. We want to remember the cross of Jesus Christ every single day that we get up. Anybody with me? We want to remember the cross of Jesus Christ every single day. You maybe ask yourself, like, what is the cross? Because I don't want to make the, the assumption that everybody in here knows exactly what the cross is. In simplest terms, the way I would put it is the cross was an instrument of execution. It was an instrument of execution. It was, it was used in what the Romans would call a crucifixion. The Romans would use it in something they would call a crucifixion, and we know about the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, right? The crucifixion was one of the most brutal and shameful modes of death in ancient history. And the, the Romans perfected crucifixion for about 500 years. 
And this mode of punishment, of torture, would be the vehicle, it would be the catalyst that would kill and crucify Jesus Christ on the cross. I just want to remind you, church, and anybody in here, I don't know, maybe you're a saint, maybe you're an ain't, maybe you're a believer or an unbeliever, you're an agnostic, atheist, I don't know where you may be at right now. I want to remind you that the Bible is not a fairy tale. The Bible is not made-up stories that people made up because they were bored. We believe here at this church that the Bible is a historical account of God and humanity and God's relationship with humanity as well. That Jesus is not a fable. He's not like the Easter Bunny. He's not like Santa, Santa Claus. He, he's not a myth. He's none of those things. But Jesus Christ came on this earth 2,000 years ago living and breathing. He wasn't just an average, ordinary person, but he was the son of the living God. He was 100% man, and he was 100% God. He was the visible image of an invisible God. He was God incarnate. He was God in the flesh. And the crucifixion did happen. It's recorded in Scripture. The crucifixion did happen. He was hung up there on the cross. And not only does the Bible record about the crucifixion, but other historical, uh, ancient historians, ancient historians record uh, the cru- about the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ outside of the Bible. It really happened. But I was thinking earlier this week, you know, why would Jesus, why would Jesus endure the type of punishment that the cross would inflict? Why would Jesus endure the type of punishment that the cross would inflict? And follow me tonight. Like, God could have chose an easier, less painful, faster way of death, but he chose the cross. He chose the crucifixion. Why did that happen? Why did the crucifixion? For the Bible says, for the joy that was set before him, Jesus, he endured the cross. Am I putting you guys asleep? You guys following along tonight? He endured the cross See, one of the reasons that Jesus went through the most, one of the most painful uh, forms of punishment ever invented by man for execution and for death is because he wanted to show you how much he loves you and how much he cares for you. He said, hey, I love you this much. When he hung up there on the cross, I'm thankful, I don't know about you, that we serve a God and that we serve a Lord and Savior that didn't just say that he loved us, but he showed us that he loved us on the cross 2,000 years ago. Come on, somebody. See, Jesus was obedient to the course of the cross. In other words, he knew exactly step by step what he was getting himself into. Think about this. Jesus, he knew exactly what was going to happen beginning to the end. He knew the plan. He knew the purpose. He knew what he was called to do, and he willingly went to the cross. See, I believe, I'm going to explain what I'm about to say. I believe that Jesus was intentional with the course in order for us to know him as the source. Jesus Christ was intentional with the course and the path of the cross, so that way we can get to know him as the source. Let me explain. Because when we understand what Jesus Christ did for us, we can understand what Jesus Christ is to us. When we understand what Jesus Christ did for us, we can understand what he is to us. Let me give, let me give you an example. In other words, because Jesus Christ chose to go through the course of suffering, we can know him as the source of our strength. Because Jesus Christ went through the course of pain, we can know him as the source of our peace. Because Jesus Christ went through through the, the course of brokenness, we can find him and we can know that he's the source of our wholeness. 
Because Jesus Christ, come on somebody, went through the course of death, we can see him and we can recognize that he's the source of our life. In other words, Jesus is our source. He is our strength. Let me encourage you tonight. I don't know what you may have need of right now. Maybe it's a financial need. It's a relational need. It's an emotional need. It's a spiritual need. Could it be that everything that you need is wrapped up in who Jesus Christ is? Come on, somebody. You believe that tonight. You know, um, as I was putting together this message, you know, a story came to my mind that happened here pretty recently. Uh, For those that do not know, about two weeks ago, um, I got into an accident. I got into a car wreck. Um, I have a 2002 Chevy Silverado um, that I did some things to throughout high school um, that was given to me um, uh, by my grandpa before he passed away from cancer. He gave it to our family. So it's really sentimental. It's really important to me. I value it a lot. And I was actually driving to the church. I was dropping off some things, getting ready for my, uh, my sister's engagement day. Once again, congratulations, Haley and Slavic. I know it's been a while. Come on, give them a hand clap. I was getting ready, getting some things ready, and as I was going down to Navarro, because this is what I've learned, you know, I'm just going to take a wild guess and just say, everybody in here is a pretty decent or good driver, you know? I like to think I'm a pretty decent driver, but more than anything, you have to look out for other drivers on the road, right? That's a big thing. I was going down the road. I was passing Bush's Chicken. I, I was passing, um, you know, Grandy's, and what had happened, a lady had pulled in from the middle turning lane, and she ran right into me. And, like, I couldn't react. I couldn't respond in time. And I, I thank God that I could say I was going the speed limit, okay? I was paying attention. I wasn't on my phone. I was paying attention. I was going forward. I was 100% in the right. You know, she was 100% in the wrong. She wasn't paying attention. I got out of the vehicle, you know, and I immediately went to go check on her. Thank God she's okay. I was okay. You know, a little part of me was like, Caleb, just pretend like you have a neck injury for a minute. I was like, no, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm a Christian, you know. But, you know, that's horrible, okay. But um, don't do that. But I went to go check on her. She was okay, but the vehicles were not okay. Honestly, like, you know, her vehicle was jacked up. My vehicle was, you know, jacked up. I mean, you may see it at first and think, oh, it doesn't look too bad, but the axle and a lot of the undercarriage of the truck was jacked up and messed up, and I couldn't drive back to my house. They had to tow my vehicle back. And, you know, I I thought to myself, you know, I'm glad she's okay. I'm okay, but the vehicles aren't okay. So all these things begin to process in my mind about the cost and how much it's going to cost to get the vehicle fixed, the vehicle repaired. You know, this is something new for me. I've never been in an accident like this, handling the insurance. Thank God for mom and dad that led me and, you know, helped me out. You know, I was trying to figure out, like, what am I going to do? How is this going to work out? What if she says that it was my fault and not her fault? The police came. They filed a report saying it was her fault and everything. So I called the insurance, insurance company. Long story short, the insurance company tells me, Sir, we got her statement, we got your statement, we got the police statement. Um, we're going to cover all the expenses and all the fees for your vehicle to get fixed, or if it's totaled, we'll compensate you for the vehicle. And I was like, praise God. And they said, not only that, and maybe this is normal to you, but this is not normal for me because I've never went through this, because I thought to myself, okay, I'll probably be without a vehicle for a little bit. They said, on top of that, her, um, her insurance, us, we're going to cover you to get a new vehicle um, for a certain amount of time until your vehicle gets repaired, fixed, or replaced, or whatever happens. So I said, praise God. And they said, everything's ready for you. You just got to go and pick it up at Enterprise. So I got to go get a rental vehicle. Guys, it's a 2019 Ford, one, like F-150. It is nice. I'm like, I'm going to miss this truck whenever I have to get another, like, you know what I mean? I'm just like, this thing is nice, okay? It really is. So if you see me driving around, you know, pulling up, don't be like, oh, pastor's family got a new truck. That's where the building fund. No, no, no. It's a rental, okay? Totally messing around, right? 
That's bad, right? So, um, but here's the thing that got me. They said, everything's ready for you to, everything's ready for you. The vehicle's ready for you. You just got to go pick it up. You just got to go pick it up. And it made me think about this message. It made me think about the price that Jesus paid because I believe that there's some things that Jesus paid for on the cross 2,000 years ago. And all you got to do is go and pick it up. You, I, I just said all you got to do is pick it up. Grace is, not about, grace is not about achieving. Grace is about receiving. And Jesus has things stored up for you right now, today, not tomorrow, but today that you can receive from him. What if you got a phone call right now from a dealership? Or maybe tomorrow you got a phone call from a dealership, and they said, hey, somebody came in, and they got you a new vehicle. It's a 2019, brand-new, like, top-level package, all the bells and whistles. It's been paid for anonymously. All you got to do is come and pick it up. Some of you guys would leave this building right now in the middle of this message. You need to go pick up that vehicle. Or you got a call from a real estate company. They said, we got a brand-new house valued at $250,000. I mean, and it's the house that you've been wanting, you've been dreaming, you've been waiting for. And you get a phone call, and they said, we got everything ready. We have the keys here. All you got to do is come and pick up the keys, and it's yours. Oh, man, don't you know that Jesus Christ has the keys? He defeated death, hell, and the grave, and he has the keys of Hades. I don't know what you may be in need of tonight. I'm not just talking about stuff. I'm not just talking about material things. I'm also talking about spiritual things. And I believe that God is asking some of us this Wednesday evening, he's asking you, why are you suffering so much? Why are you struggling so much? Why are you toiling so much? Why do you feel like you're barely surviving? Don't you know I've called you not just to survive but to thrive? And my grace is sufficient? Don't you know that I have peace that you can pick up, that you have, I have healing that you can pick up, that I have deliverance that you can pick up, I have love that you can pick up, I have, come on somebody, I have authority that you can pick up. All you got to do is pick it up. Why? Because I paid for it. Anybody believe this tonight? Give Jesus a shout of praise. I paid the price. All you have to do is pick it up. I was thinking about how many Christians are walking around right now through life, struggling, down, discouraged, depressed, and they haven't picked up what Jesus has paid for. And I understand there's going to be some people in here, because I was thinking this to myself too, maybe in your carnal, in your flesh, you're thinking to yourself, okay, Caleb, so you're saying everything can be met if I just put my faith in Jesus I got these bills, I got these different things going on, and, you know, I got some marital issues, I got these different things. I'm not saying not to go to counseling. I'm not saying not to budget. I'm not saying not to make wise decisions. But what I am saying is this, that you being a believer and follower of Jesus, if you truly want to find satisfaction and wholeness, it starts with Jesus and it ends with Jesus. Everything else is in between. Starts at the cross, ends at the cross, everything else is in between. And guess what? The cost was high. The cost that Jesus paid was so high. You look at the crucifixion. You look at the cross. See what Jesus went through. See, just like my O2 Chevy, it got wrecked. It got beat up. It got broken. But I could never have this 2019 Ford if my 2002 Chevy, as much as it means to me, and I love it, and I'm hoping that I get it back or whatever happens, it's going to work out, Jesus. I know it's going to work out. I could never get that truck if this one would have never gotten broken down or beaten. And I believe that Jesus knew 
that in order for you to experience wholeness, he had to experience brokenness. And he knew that in order for you to experience life, he had to experience death. Did you know that Jesus traded life for death so that way you could trade death for life? Anybody thankful for that tonight? This making sense to you guys? So in this message, I want to make a correlation and a connection between what Jesus suffered and what we gained. I want to make a correlation between what Jesus suffered and what we have gained and how his body being afflicted can affect our bodies today. How Jesus' body being afflicted can affect our bodies today. So, so, so tonight, I want to look at the course of the cross. I want to look at the journey of Jesus and briefly list six things. Somebody say six things that we have access to due to the cross of Jesus Christ. Anybody excited about this? Come on, give Jesus a hand clap. I'm going to get a drink of water real quick. The first one is peace. You can write this down. Peace. Somebody say peace. This is stuff that Jesus paid for, for you that you can have access to right now. Peace. I don't know if you need peace right now or not, but you may be asking yourself, why, how can I experience peace because of what Jesus experienced on the course to the cross in his mind? So, you know that before Jesus ever went to the cross, the night before Jesus went to the cross, he went to a place for prayer. And the place that he went to was the Garden of Gethsemane. The Garden of Gethsemane. We know the story, right? He goes with his disciples and he prays in Gethsemane. You know what Gethsemane means? It means oil press. It's a place of pressing. And this is where Jesus experienced immense pressure. And before he went to the cross, he prayed a prayer like this where he said, Father, if it be your will, let this cut pass from me, yet not my will, but your will. When's the last time that you ever prayed a prayer like that before? Where you say, God, not my will, but your will. This is the prayer that Jesus prayed. So in other words, Jesus said, if there's any other way that this job can happen, if there's any other way that people can be saved, in order for humanity to have hope, let it happen. But at the end of the day, not my will, but your will be done, Father. I'll do whatever it takes. But Jesus knew that it had to be done. So he began to taste the cup of anxiety, of tribulation, and pressure in Gethsemane. So get this too, because as I was studying this, this just, you know, I've heard about this. You know, and I've heard other preachers say it, but it's just crazy to think about what Jesus experienced because he's getting ready to go to the cross. He's in the garden. He's praying. And as he's praying, he's underneath so much anxiety and so much pressure that he begins to sweat blood. That blood literally comes out of his pores. See, this is a natural phenomenon that's, that's resulted from, from, from immense, extreme pressure in your mind. So in other words, Jesus faced extreme pressure. He faced extreme anxiety. He, he faced extreme tribulation in his mind because that's what I've learned. You know, one of the greatest battlefields that, 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 there ever, that there is on this planet is in your mind right here. And Jesus, you may be asking yourself, you know, God, do you even know what I'm experiencing? Do you know what I'm going through? Do you know the thoughts that are going through my head? And he's saying, yes, I do. See, if anybody can relate to anxiety or pressure, it's Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ, but I'm thankful for this because Jesus took your cares, he took your worries, and he took his, your anxieties upon himself to give you 
peace. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 11, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. If Jesus could get through that, you can get through it. So we have peace that we can access in our lives. You just ask God, give me peace. If Jesus can go through it, guess what? He can go through all that pressure, all that anxiety, all that fear. Guess what? With his spirit, oh, baby, you're going to go so much further, and you will be okay. Come on. Somebody give Jesus a hand clap. So peace. Somebody say peace. You follow me tonight? And this is the course of the cross, the garden. The second thing that we can pick up is healing. Somebody say healing. See, after being falsely accused and found guilty, Jesus is taken to the, whip, the whipping post. He's taken to the whipping post. And one of the duties of the Roman executioners was to scourge criminals. And what they would do is they would use a razor-sharp, tentacle-embedded um, whip with lead and bone, and the Roman executioners would systematically shred the victim's back. And as the beating occurred, I'm going to read this out to you guys, the torturous tentacles of the whip flew wildly across the victim's back and wrapped around to the front, often horribly dis disfiguring them. See, that's no wonder Isaiah wrote, he wrote this, the prophet Isaiah, he said his appearance, talking about Jesus, was so disfigured and beyond that of any man. He, but here's what I've learned. See, so in other words, Jesus, he's in the garden, he's facing pressure, he, he's sweating blood, he's facing anxiety, but after that, after he's found falsely accused, and once he's falsely accused and he's found guilty, he gets taken to the whipping post, and these Roman executioners, these Roman soldiers are, are, are ordered to whip Jesus, to, to rip this, this, this Jewish man on the whipping post. And they begin to whip him, and as they begin to whip him, I mean, flesh is just, blood's going everywhere, and it's just not a good scene. But I want to encourage you tonight and tell you something, that Jesus was not beaten in vain. He was not beaten for no reason. See, that's why Isaiah and Peter both prophesied that by his stripes, you are healed. See, Jesus bore my pain and agony so that way I could be healed. So what I want to say tonight is this. Not only can we receive peace from God, but we can receive healing from God. Now, I don't know what kind of need you may have right now. I don't know if you're battling cancer, if you're battling a sickness, if you're battling an illness, if you're battling a disease. But we've had people come through the doors of this church, or maybe it's emotional turmoil. I don't know what may be going on in your life, but may I encourage you. You know, we've had people come in here before, and they were going through those same things, but God touched them, and they went back to the doctor, and they got told, we don't know where the cancer went. Or maybe they're battling depression, battling fear. They're battling some inner emotional things uh, inside their soul, inside their spirit, a disease, and God touched them. And if God could do it for them, God can do it for you. So whatever sickness, disease, or emotional pain you're going through, Jesus can handle it. Somebody say, Jesus can handle it. And I love this one right here. The third thing that we can pick up from the cross from God is forgiveness. Forgiveness. Why? Because of his hands. Colossians chapter 2, verse 14 says this, reading out of the NLT, it says this, he canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. He canceled the record of our charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. Here's what's, here's what's interesting to me as I did some studying. In Jesus' day, if someone owed a debt towards a purchased item or towards an item that they had been lended by, you know, if, okay, for example, 
if, if someone had a debt that they owed towards someone because of an item that they gave them, for example, if I saw a chair that I really liked back in Jesus' day, whether Slavic's a carpenter or maybe he's a family member, he's a friend, and I say, bro, I really like that chair. I just don't have the money with me right now to pay for it. Would it be cool if we made some type of exchange or whatever so that way I can get it? I'll make payments on it. So Slavic would give me the chair, and I would actually, what would happen is the, the person in Jesus' day would give him a note. It would be like a certificate of debt or it would be like an IOU note saying, hey, I may not be able to pay you now, but I'll come back and I'll pay you later, okay? So I give him this note. Slavic grabs it. He has that paper. I have the chair, right? And I would make payments on it. But once I made the payments in full to the chair, what Slavic would do is he would take the paper, he would keep tally on the paper, and then he would get an nail and drive it through the paper, and he would post it on the item that was purchased. I just want to encourage you tonight and let you know that all of your sin, all of the debt that you owed and you accumulated over time, your past, present, and future sins were nailed in Jesus' hands, were nailed to the cross, and they were posted. And guess what? Your debt is forgiven. That's powerful. See, my debt is marked canceled when I receive Jesus's forgiveness. Whether you realize it or not, we've all been in debt before. We've all been in debt before. We've all, you know, owed a debt that we could not pay. And that was for our sin. That was for our wrongdoings. That was because of mistakes that we made. But Jesus's blood covers all of our sins, and there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Maybe, maybe you're struggling tonight with the sin that you committed. Maybe you just goofed up, you messed up, you made a big mistake. You made a big mistake, and you ask God to forgive you, and, and you try again and again, but every time that you ask God to forgive you, you feel like he's not forgiven you. That's condemnation. Don't, don't condemn yourself. You're not God. It says in Scripture that if we confess our sins to God, he is faithful and just and will forgive our, our sins and will cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So in other words, the moment that you said it, God chose to forget it. So pick yourself up and keep moving forward and know that you've been forgiven, and you can pick up forgiveness today because of the hands of Jesus Christ that were pierced with. Now, anybody love that tonight? I think that's awesome. I believe as we get into the fourth thing, we got two more things. Anybody enjoying this tonight? This making sense to you guys? The third thing that we can pick up is victory. It's victory. Somebody say victory. Victory. And we're going to be looking at his feet. It says in Colossians, um, Colossians, as we continue with the scripture that we read in Colossians chapter 2, verse 14, if you go to the 15th verse, it says this. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. In this way, I'll read that one more time. In this way, he disarmed, talking about Jesus, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly for his victory over them on the cross. So notice how it said spiritual authorities as well. See, we believe in what God's word says, that we don't battle against flesh and blood, but we actually battle against spirits as well. See, there are evil spirits out there. I believe in the 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 spirit world as well, but guess what? Greater is he that's inside of you than he that is in the world. And because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross 2,000 years ago, you don't have to put up with the devil's mess anymore. If you ever feel just oppression or opposition, you can actually speak against those things, and there could be spiritual forces that are opposing you, and you can say, in the name of Jesus, you got to go, and they have to bow down. But after a Roman military triumph, as I was studying, what they would do, what Rome would do is after a Roman military triumph, 
the victor would always place always placed his foot upon the neck of the opposing general. And Joshua did this as well to five kings, uh, to five enemy kings, and he had his other men come and place their feet on the enemy kings that opposed them whenever they were conquering the promised land. See, and the reason I say that is this, because the enemy thought that they had Jesus beaten, but they just had him broken. They thought they had Jesus beaten, but they just had him broken. See, Satan may have bruised Jesus' heel, but Jesus crushed the enemy's head. For three days later, Jesus Christ rose full of power and authority, defeating death, hell, and the grave. And guess what? Because Jesus won, we also won. Because Jesus has victory, we have victory. So don't say, I'm just trying to win in life. I'm just trying to have victory. I'm just trying to be a winner. Guess what? If you consider yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, you don't ever fight for victory, but you fight from what Jesus Christ did on the years ago whenever he said, it is finished. See, we should look at every difficult circumstance that we face in life from the perspective of the victory of the cross and resurrection. By his death on the cross, Jesus put my weaknesses, fear, and defeat under his feet. I'll say that one more time. By his death on the cross, Jesus put my weaknesses, fear, and defeat under his feet. So if you ever want to talk to the devil, if you ever want to talk to the devil, if you ever want to talk to anything that opposes God's plan in your life, don't ever talk to him face to face. Get a sticky note. Put your little message on there if you want to talk to the devil. Put it on your, I'm just speaking proverbially, put it on your shoe and put it on the ground because guess what? Satan's under your feet. He's under your feet. He's under your feet. He's under your feet. Somebody say he's under my feet. The fifth thing that we can pick up is blessings. Blessings. And we can do this because of what he experienced on his head when his head was crowned with thorns. Now, this is powerful, guys. This is the first time um, that I really noticed this in Scripture as I studied. And I think it was like a personal revelation for me, too. Um, but did you know that thorns were mentioned first, the first time in the Bible in Genesis 3.18 um, as part of the curse that came upon Adam um, due, to, to, due to his disobedience? That, that the thorn and thistles were first mentioned in the Bible in Genesis chapter 3 because of Adam's disobedience to God. And it says this in Genesis chapter 3, verse 17 through 18. I want to read this to you guys. It says this, Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat fruit, food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. See the last part? It says, cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. So in other words, not only was Adam and Eve cursed, but the ground of the earth was cursed. Their agriculture uh, was cursed. The way that they farmed was cursed. Thorns and thistles came and actually stopped them from being as productive, and it made farming and agriculture uh, more painful, and it was just way harder. See, when sin entered humanity, thorns and thistles sprung up on the produce. I'm going to go somewhere. Sprung up on the produce that Adam would farm, causing work, sweat, and pain before he could eat of it. See, once, what, once became, uh, what once was easy became hard. Now, I remember working at a church property. I remember working at church property a couple weeks back, and we were moving thorns and thistles and all these different things from the fence line. And I'm going to tell you what. I mean, unless you had some really, really solid gloves, it was tough. It was hard, man. That thing would scratch you up. I mean, I went in there anyways and scattered it all out. But man, I'm telling you what, whenever you have those thorns and thistles, it can really just stop work from getting, you, from getting things done, especially trying to farm or whatever. 
See, it was pain. But what you need to understand is this, that nothing in the Bible is random. Nothing that Jesus did, nothing that Jesus experienced was random because we find that the Roman soldiers crowned Jesus with thorns. Somebody say thorns. Think about this. Whenever Jesus was crowned with thorns, and we look at it in Genesis chapter 3 where it says, cursed is the ground because of you, thorns and thistles will spring up, and it's going to make work way harder than before. And then again, when Jesus is led to the cross to be crucified, the Roman soldiers grab a crown of thorns, they place it on his head, symbolizing him taking the pain, suffering, and poverty that entered the world after Adam and Eve. So the the crown of thorns that Jesus wore represents the crushing of the spirit of poverty, debt, and lack. So in other words, Jesus Christ became a curse so that way we can become blessed. That's why I believe in the scripture where it says, my God shall meet all of my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So guess what? You're blessed. Caleb, I don't have all the bills met. Caleb, I don't have the nicest car. I don't have the nicest home. Caleb, I don't don't measure up to other people. Guess what? You're still blessed. Why? Because you're a child of the most high God. You're a child of the most high God. And whatever God's called you to it, he will give you the grace and he will give you the provision to, to go through it and accomplish it because he loves you so much. Somebody say, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. We need to know that tonight. Your business is blessed. Your family is blessed. Anything you put your hand to, your career is blessed. Your education is blessed. Guess what? Whatever you tie yourself to, it's blessed. Amen? All right. And then the last thing that we're going to go over as we get ready to come to a close, Haley, you can come up to the front, is inner healing. Inner healing. Where's Haley at? Oh, there she is. (laughs) Inner healing. Somebody say inner healing. We're just about done, guys. So lastly, um, in order for the Romans to confirm um, whether someone's dead or not, what they would do is they would usually break their legs or they would stab them in the side. But what they decided to do is they stabbed him in his side, uh, Jesus' side, uh, with a spear. And they pierced his heart and they pierced his lung. By doing this, we know that Jesus paid with his life, therefore meeting man's greatest need, which was salvation and spiritual resurrection. I'm going to say that one more time because I think I went over it pretty quick to where it didn't impact us as much. So whenever Jesus was stabbed in the side, the Roman soldiers, what, what, what they did is they wanted to confirm that the person that was being crucified was dead. So they would stab them in the side or they'd break their legs. And whenever Jesus was stabbed in the side, that confirmed that, that the, the, the work on the cross was completed, that he went until death. And whenever he did that, guess what? The price was paid. The price was paid. What price? The price for our sin, for the wages of sin, is death. And we couldn't pay that by ourselves. We couldn't have a relationship with God by ourselves. It wasn't going to be by good works. It wasn't going to be by any of our own strength. It was only going to be by the grace and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So whenever Jesus Christ died on the cross and he was stabbed in the, on the side, guess what? He, he paid for your salvation, and he paid for a spiritual resurrection. See, whenever you accept Jesus Christ in your heart, our inward spirit, our spirit man, goes from death to life, and we enter into a relationship with God. That's why we say at this church that Jesus didn't die to make bad people good. Jesus Christ came to make dead people alive. He died to make dead people alive. See, all of your inner wounds can be healed when you release all bitterness and experience salvation. So we know that 
God, he can give us peace. He can give us healing. He can give us forgiveness. He can give us victory. Or we have all those things. We have blessing and we have inner healing. Whatever may be going on on the inside of you, your spirit, man, your soul, guess what? God has what you need. Did this make sense to you guys tonight? I hope you grabbed a hold of something tonight. Would you mind standing to your feet as we come to a close? Hey, thank you guys for letting me take my time, and thank you all for being here. Um, I, I do want to close a certain way. I was debating on whether or not I should share this story, but I think it's significant to tonight's sermon and message. But tonight, I just want you to know this one thing, that Jesus paid for things for you to pick up. He paid for things for you to pick up, that there's some things right now in this moment that you haven't picked up, that you didn't even know that were available to you. Maybe it's peace, maybe it's healing, maybe it's forgiveness, and it's, it's right here. And God's saying, hey, just pick it up. You don't have to pay for it. I paid for it. All you got to do is pick it up. See, he didn't just die to give you life, but he died to give you life more abundantly. The power of the cross. It's only by the cross. It's only by the cross. Somebody say, it's only by the cross. There was once a general named um, Napoleon Bonaparte. There was once a general named Napoleon Bonaparte, and he faced a disastrous defeat um, at Waterloo. I'm going somewhere. We're about to get ready to close. He faced a disastrous defeat at Waterloo. And what happened is this stunted and really stopped his expansion of just, like, conquering the world. So what he decided to do is he met with other generals. And he met in this room with all these different generals. And as he met with the generals, he started going over, like, why they lost the battle at Waterloo. Like, what went wrong? And there were some flawed strategic, you know, decisions that they made. And what had happened was as he was in this room with all the generals, he looked at this map. And as he looked at this map, this is Napoleon. He looked at this map, and it was a colored map, and there was a little red dot on the map. And he pointed at the dot, and he pointed right at England, and he said this, because he had conquered just about everywhere else in the world, but he didn't conquer England because he lost the Battle of Waterloo. And he said this, if only I could conquer this area, if only we won this battle, then we, I would be like the ruler of the world. And I think it's the same way whenever, I think Satan can say the same thing whenever he looks at the cross of Jesus Christ that he can look at a map and he can see the timeline of history and you can see a little red dot that happens right outside the walls of old Jerusalem on a, on a hill called Golgotha where someone by the name of Jesus Christ was crucified and he willingly went to the cross and Jesus paid the price. He paid the penalty for our sins. Aren't you thankful for that red spot of Calvary that rescued this world from the control of our enemy? See, Jesus knew that he couldn't have a resurrection without a crucifixion. He knew the course of the cross, and he went through with it to show you how much he loves you. And this is my conclusion. They're going to put it up there on the screen. It was love, not nails, that kept Jesus on the cross. While he was on the cross, you were on his mind. It was love, not, not come on, you can give Jesus a hand clap real quick. It was love, not nails, that kept Jesus on the cross. While he was on the cross, you were on his mind. Can I pray with you guys real quick? Honestly, guys, I prayed tonight more than anything. You didn't just see me. You just didn't hear me speak. My prayer was this, that you would know who Jesus is in a more fresh, intimate way. That you would know the power and you know the importance of the cross and the price that Jesus paid. And it's available for you today. You just got to pick it up. Can I pray with you guys before you go? Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you this Wednesday evening, God, wherever we come from, God, in life, Father God, whatever struggle or battle we're facing right now, 
and we humble ourselves before you, God. We, un we humble ourselves under your mighty hand, Lord, and we pray right now, Jesus. God, I know that there's some heavy hearts in this place, God. There's some people that are battling certain things, God, in life, God. Maybe nobody else even knows about. I just want them to know, God, that you care for them, and by your spirit, Lord, you're gonna begin to make a way where there seems to be no way, God. So I thank you, Lord, right now, Jesus, that tonight is the night where we choose to pick up, Lord, what you put down, Jesus, and that you paid for it all, God. You paid for our debt, Lord, and that's enough, God. Just the thought, Lord, that all of our sin, that all of our debt, that the penalty, God, for all the things that we've done wrong has been forgiven, and we get to experience you, Jesus, and we get to live in heaven with you, God, for eternity. That's enough, God. But I pray right now while, while, while our church family, God, is here on this earth, Father God, as the believers in this room are, are here on this earth, Father God, that they would know, Lord, that you are God, that can meet, that can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask, think, or imagine according to your work that's within us. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. We love you and give you praise. And somebody said, somebody said, give Jesus a hand clap real quick, church. One last thing, one last thing. We always do this after every service before we dismiss. We want to give somebody an opportunity to say yes to Jesus before we go. This is only going to take one minute. I ask you guys just to stay here for one more minute. We want to give somebody an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. Maybe you don't believe in Jesus. Maybe you don't consider yourself a Christian. Um, but tonight, God did something on your heart where you say, hey, I want to say yes to Jesus. We believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, that he who knew no sin became sin so that way we can become the righteousness of God. And it says in Scripture, if you confess with your mouth, if you confess with your mouth, what's up, buddy? <laughs> if you confess with your mouth um, that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So we want to pray a prayer together. Maybe this is going to be your thousand time praying this prayer. Pray it like it's your first time. Maybe this is going to be your first time praying it. Come on, we, we believe with you. We're standing with you. Let's pray together. Say, dear Heavenly Father, forgive me for all of my sins as I forgive other people. I love you. Forgive me for my sins. I believe in you, Jesus. I believe that you're Lord. I believe that you died. And I believe that you rose. I believe you're coming back one day. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Give Jesus a hand clap. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for listening to the Covenant Life Center podcast. If you enjoyed today's message, then subscribe and follow us on social media at CLC Victoria. Connect with us by visiting our website, clcvictoria.org.